Psalm 51. We're going to read a few verses of this psalm, and then we'll uh, read some more a little later. But even though we've been standing a lot, let's stand for the reading of the Scripture tonight. And I'll just, let's start in verse um, 7. Psalm 51 and verse 7. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be, what? Whiter than snow. Seems like we just sung about that, right? Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. We're going to focus really on more, more about verse 10 than the rest of it, but we'll look at much more of the chapters as we go along. But look in verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You know, there's something in this prayer that I think gets overlooked sometimes. I'm not saying all the time, surely, but sometimes. And that is when a person realizes they've done wrong... And if, let's, let's just assume that, that they want to do right. They know they've done wrong. They want to do right. But the thing they focus on really is changing what they're doing. I've been doing wrong, but I want to do right. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if we don't really fix what's really wrong, it'll just come back and haunt us. And what's really wrong is not just what we've done. What's wrong is something in our heart. The, the reason we do what we do is because of where we are spiritually. And so he's, David is talking about these other things, but he concentrates on this thing about create a new heart. That, those words were in that song that we sang a moment ago. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Change my heart and renew a right spirit. Renew a right spirit within me. And so we're going to, Focus on that phrase to not renew a right spirit within me. Father, thank you for your word. It never gets old. We don't want it to ever get old. And Father, though we've read this passage many, many times, we come to it tonight eager to apply its truth, eager to see, see the forgiving God that you are, but also see that, that what we need, Lord, is not just external Reform. We need internal change and, and just bless as we study this passage together tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. The word renewal is an interesting word. David, David is crying out to God for what I would call spiritual renewal. The need to be renewed. Now we know most of us are familiar with David's place in life, his dilemma when he wrote this, the title of the Psalm 51, when a Psalm of David, if you look right under the, above the first verse, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he'd gone in to Bathsheba, and this passage was read this morning before the choir 
sang their, their special song. But David had a great, a great fall. He was, at, he was in the wrong frame of mind. He was in the wrong place. He was at, it was the wrong time. He was looking in the wrong direction, and he made a very wrong decision, and it was horrible. He committed adultery with Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. The time Uriah was on the field of battle, Joab was the commanding officer, and David, David made this grave error, a horrible sin. Part of it, of course, was just human lust and passion, uncontrolled desire. Part of it may have been, he's a king, part of it may have been you know, the, the misuse of his authority and his position. Sometimes people in positions of authority abuse that position. And um, it happens. But now what is he going to do? He's made, his, he's made his mistake. What's he going to do? Here's what he should do. Here's what he should do. He, he ought to confess and repent of his sin. He should have just been completely honest about it. Make it right with God. Make it right with others. But we know he didn't do that. Matter of fact, he did something even worse. And that's a horrible sin, what he did, but he did something even worse. He talked to Joab, and he instructed Joab to send Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, to the front of the battle in the most vulnerable position in war in order that he might be killed. If, we, if he'll just be killed, it'll take care of the problem. And so, so it tells us a lot about David, right? Not only is David an adulterer, but he's evil, he's dishonest, he's deceptive, he's prideful. He won't deal with the sin. And he knew better than this. We know he knew better than this. And so he's trying to cover up his sin. By the way, it's, it's not, this is not an isolated situation, right? It's very common. You do one thing wrong, and rather than make it right, you try to cover it up. And covering it up, you're doing another thing wrong, and then it becomes a great, a great cover-up. That's what sin does. Sin, unconfessed sin, leads to more sin. And so, what did God do? Because God loves David. God sent a preacher to see him. Nathan, the prophet. And he tells David this little parable, kind of, a illustration about someone who was unjust. And, and David did not, either David didn't see or he didn't admit that really the parable was about him. The story was about him. And so David didn't see it. But Nathan helped him by simply looking at him and saying, Thou art the man. You're, you're the person I'm talking about. It's your sin. And when that happened, when that happened, David began the process of finding a way out of where he was. He confessed his sin. Now, this is an interesting thing to know about, and this is not all about his story, but, but even though David confessed, he confessed his sin at that time, he began this process of getting where he needed to be, back where he needed to be. But for many years, David had to deal with the consequences of his sin. The child that was born to him in Bathsheba died. It was a heartbreaking time in David's life. So, you know, you could, 
A person could say, well, you know, if I, if, I, if I get in rebellion and I sin, then God will forgive me. If I come back with a really repentant heart, God will forgive me. And you know that's true. If you come back with a repentant heart, God will forgive you. But that doesn't mean all the consequences of what you've done will just somehow vanish. And in David's case, they didn't. And that wasn't the only consequence. He had problems in his family and different things along the way that were directly attributed to this. But that brings us to Psalm 51. Psalm 51 expresses the depth of David's sorrow and repentance over his sin. To me, it's one of the most amazing chapters in the Bible. One of the most amazing psalms. Because he's crying out to God for mercy. A person who does not understand the severity of their sin never cries out to God for mercy. And there are probably people sitting here tonight, maybe you've never been saved, maybe, maybe some of you young people, you know, when, when someone shows you what you've done wrong, your attitude toward your parents, your attitude toward God or the Bible or authority or whatever the case might be, or you're caught lying, and you, you never really take it seriously. You never even feel the need to cry out to God with a broken heart for God to have mercy on you. And it's because you don't understand the seriousness of your sin. But David, David understood the seriousness of his sin. Verse 1, he says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. God, I'm counting on your love, your loving kindness. You're a God of love. And according to your loving kindness... Have mercy upon me, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. I'm I'm here to ask you to remove these things that I've done, to blot them out, to make them go away. And I'm, and I'm I'm only pleading because I know that you love me and I know that you're a merciful God. And in every way that you would expect him to, David takes complete ownership of what he had done. Complete ownership. Look, look with me if you would in verse 1. He, he says, uh, blot out, last part of verse 1, blot out my transgressions. Notice the word, that pronoun, my. Look in verse 2. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Verse 3, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Do you see a consistency there? He was taking ownership. He wasn't blaming anybody. He wasn't defending himself. He wasn't trying to justify himself. He wasn't making any excuse for what he had done. He was taking complete ownership and said, it's me. I've done this. I'm I'm as guilty as guilty can be. And look in verse 4, he says, against thee, he's talking to God, against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Notice, notice where his greatest focus is on as a, as a repentant sinner. It's not even on the people that he had wronged, it's, it's really more on God that he had wronged. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. You saw me. You know what I did. I'm as guilty as I can be. And, and then notice this. He says, that thou mightest be justified 
when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. In other words, he says, I'm, I'm guilty. You know I'm guilty. And whatever you, whatever you determine your judgment is, it'll be right. Now there's, there's a man that's really sorrowful. Right? You, can you see that? A man that's really serious about his sin. And I, I think a lot of us would know this. Some of us may not ever think about it. But you don't see this a lot. A lot of times when you get kids, catch somebody's with their hand in a cookie jar, there's always somebody to blame for it. It shouldn't have been here. You shouldn't have left it here. I was hungry. You know what I'm saying? It's always some excuse, always some reason. This is why I did it. But, but that's, you don't see an inkling of that here. You don't see any remote reference to that here. He knew, he knew what he did. He knew it was wrong. He took ownership of it. He, he said it was against God. And look in verse 6. This to me is so revealing. Verse 6 says, Behold, thou, and the, again, the, pro, the thou is referring to God, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Not just truth in the external things. The truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. So this is David's cry. This is, this is his plea to God. This is his begging God for mercy. It's a great example for us, isn't it? Tremendous example. And it's also an example of what sin does to us. This is what sin does. To us, sin affects us in many ways, multifaceted ways. And some of those we recognize, I think some of them we may not. But he, when you read this, you got, you, here's a man that's just overtaken with guilt and shame. And he feels unclean. Look in verse 7. We read this a moment ago. Purge me with hyssop. And I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. He he felt unclean. By the way, when we sin, we are spiritually unclean. And David knew he knew he was being chastened. Look in verse eight. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. The bones which thou hast broken, which God has broken. Now, they say, of course, David was a shepherd. We know that. And I've read more than one time that a a shepherd in a desperate attempt to stop a wandering, straying sheep will break one of their legs. I can't prove that, but I've read that. And why why would a shepherd why would a shepherd break the leg of a lamb to keep it from straying? Right? You'd be better off with three good lambs and one legs and one broken one and stay where you belong than have four good legs and get in places you shouldn't be, right? And that's called chastisement. And it very well may be that's what he's referring to there. And, and we read that verse in verse 8. 
Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. He knew, he knew he was experiencing God's chastisement. He knew God was chastening him. Think about this young person. Think, think with the preacher tonight. Have you ever known God's chastisement in your life? And if you say, well, I, I've never known him to chasten me. Well, the Bible says every one of, he chastens every one of his children. Every one. If you, if you can sin and not be chastised, you're not his child. David knew he would have been chastened. And he was ashamed. Look in verse 9. Hide thy face from my sins. God, I don't want you to see my sins. Hide thy face from my sins. He was ashamed before God for what he had done. Look in verse 11. Cast me not away from thy presence. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He, he, he felt the separation that his sin caused between him and God. Now David was not a lost man. David was truly a believer. He was a man after God's own heart. I mean, he had, he had had a heart for God. He was a writer of music. He was a godly king. And, and yet he had sinned. He had, committed, he had committed this sin and he knew this sin had separated between him and God. And that left... I'm just talking about what sin does to us. Sin separates us from God. Sin brings guilt and shame into our life. Sin will bring chastisement into our life. And look in verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Sin left him with a sadness. A loss of inner joy. A loss of inner peace. A Christian can't sin and, and have spiritual joy. We, might have, we may be able to get happy at the ball game or happy at, you know, playing around, goofing around, but we're not going to have spiritual joy if we've got sin in our life. It's just not going to be there. Verse 14 says, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. I think part of that's a reference to the fact that he had Uriah killed. But it's also... A reminder of the guilt, the guilt that comes when we sin. Every person here who's a converted person, they're Christians, every person here who's genuinely saved and old enough really to understand what I'm talking about knows this is true. When we sin as Christians, we feel guilty about it. Right? David carried that guilt. He carried that sense of guilt. I'm talking about what sin does to us. The devil's such a liar. He tells us sin will make you happy. Sin will make you free. Sin will bring you, bring you fulfillment. And sin can do none of those things. Just the opposite. It left him with a sense of guilt that would not go away. In verse 10 says that his spirit had been affected. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now this is a testimony of what sin does in the life of a person. And any of us, any of us are capable of finding ourselves just where David was. 
Maybe with that, not that specific sin, and maybe with that specific sin. I know more than a few preachers who've been right where David was, right there. I don't, I'm not saying they weren't saved, but I'm, they made dumb choices and messed their life up, messed their ministry up. It can happen to any of us. You may think, pastor preaches these things and he thinks we're the only ones. No, any of us could do these things. And it doesn't have to be that kind of... It could be getting addicted to gambling. It could be, you know, getting on the internet and looking at things you shouldn't look at. It could be filled your heart with bitterness and hatred and, 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 and inordinate affections. It could be anything. I'm just telling you, any of us could be here. And this is what sin does to people. That's why we ought to learn to hate sin. Now David wasn't just any person. He had a testimony of loving God and serving God. Now, as we look at verse 10 together, where it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. This is the hope I find in this verse. Our spirit can be renewed. Renew Renew a right spirit in me. Create in me. By the way, God's the only one that can create, right? Create in me a clean heart. Give me a new heart. You know what? God can do that. He does that when you get saved, right? But what if a person is like David that is sinned once, then sinned again, and Lied to the prophet, all kinds of sin, staged a murder, tr- you know, tried to, he, all, you know, listing all David's sins. David said, I need, a, I need my heart fixed. I need a clean slate. Think about that. I need a clean slate. I need a place to start over. Create in me a clean heart. Only God can cleanse the inside of a person. And then he says, renew a right spirit within me. To renew is to make, renew makes, make it like new. Humanly speaking, I might think, well, you know, I had this relationship with God and I really messed it up and it could never be like it was. I might think that way, Right? But renew means it's like new. It can be like it was. Now, now you or I, we may, we may do things that are harmful, things that we have scars for, emotional scars, physical scars. We may do things, with, but, but internally, God can make us like new. And that's what David was asking for. David wasn't asking. David was not asking, Lord, I've blown it. I've messed up. You know, this is one of the things that um, they said about him. You've given great occasion to the enemies of God to blaspheme. He'd, He'd messed his testimony up. He'd done so many things wrong. But what David did not want is just somehow to put a Band-Aid on it, or he did not want... To just help me start doing the stuff I used to do. He wanted God to change him on the inside. 
Change him on the inside. Renew a right spirit within me. I say again, only God can fix what's wrong inside of us. Amen? But he can fix it. God can. Here's here's a mistake I think that we make sometimes. Is we... We, want to, we see we're wrong and we want to make steps to improve our actions or our activities. Or we want, to, we, want to, we want to somehow fix the way we're acting, but not fix what's really wrong with us. But David, and that's, what, but that's not what David wanted. And by the way, that's not what we need. I liken it to when a person gets saved, because when a person gets saved, God gives them a new heart. God gives them a new spirit. He, he, he changes our life. He's, we're birthed into the family of God when we get saved. And this is not always true, but for many of us, this is kind of how it went. We, God changed our heart, and all of a sudden we went from not wanting to go to church to wanting to go to church. We went from not wanting to read our Bible to wanting to read our Bible. We went from not caring how we spoke to caring about our language. We went from being extremely selfish to wanting to be selfless. And you know what? We didn't have to, we didn't have a crash course on this. It just, it came with standard equipment because we got saved. He moved inside of us. That's, that's how it was. Right? That is how it was for most of us, for many of us. It was like that. And wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if you've gotten away from that, if you could get that back? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Because if a person gets off the beaten path, if a person gets into sin, and they're really living in rebellion, and they've sinned, and they've sinned again, like David, they've sinned, and they've sinned again, and, and now, you know... They may try to start coming to church more. I'm going to try to read my Bible more. I don't really like it necessarily, but I'm going to try to do it. I'm trying to do that, and, and I'm going to try to do some of this. But it never really, it never really becomes something they want to do. They never get back to the place that we find. I believe it's in Psalm 40 where the psalmist said, I delight to do thy will, O God. Thy law is within my heart. I love doing, God, what you want me to do. But that's what we want to get back to. That's on the inside, right? There's a big difference. When you agree with that, there's a big difference. When it's in your heart. And that's what David wanted. I believe that's what David, David received. Our problems start on the inside. They didn't, our problems didn't start on the outside, they start on the inside. Now what was it? If there is anything in this passage, and there's nothing really new that we're going to cover tonight, but if there's anything in this passage that we see as David's approach to get to that place for God to do that in his life, what was it? And I think it was very simply this. It was the place of sincere repentance that David was in. He saw God... He saw God for who He was. He saw His sin as being against God. He saw sin for what it really is. He dealt with it honestly. There's no hint of hypocrisy, of being like a facade in David. He was completely transparent about his failures. He's bearing his heart before God. He's bearing his soul before God. He was truly repentant. 
He wasn't trying to hide anything. He wasn't trying to defend himself, justify himself. Now just that in itself is, is really kind of a novelty. Maybe novelty is not the best word. It's a rarity. Because I, I've, I've dealt with lots of people in my life that were caught in some sin. It's amazing how many don't really take it seriously or blame it on somebody else or it really wasn't that big a deal. And they wonder why, you know, things aren't just really taking off for him spiritually. I, to, it was a, this was a big deal for David. And you could say, well, if I did what he did, it'd be a big deal too. But really, sin is sin. I know some sin's worse than other sin. Don't, you know, don't let your mind go there and say, well, he didn't understand. But I'm just telling you, sin is a big deal. If it breaks fellowship between you and God, it's a big deal. That could be lust, that could be pride, that could be selfishness, and it's a sin. And it ought to be treated as serious as David treated his sin. So he, he came to God in sincere repentance. He pled. He pled with God to change him from within. God changed me. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. I want you to work in me. I need you to change me. He wanted his heart to be right. You know why? Because he knew that if his heart got right, everything else would work. He knew that. And we ought to know that. Look in verse 12. He knew if he, knew if he had a renewed spirit... His joy would come back. Look in verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I want my joy back. Hey, sin can never steal your salvation if you're really saved, but it can steal your joy. I think most of our problems are spiritual problems. You know? Not only that, look, at, look what it says in verse 13. Then will... Then, Then, if you'll do this, then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. You know what a renewed spirit will do? It will bring your joy back, because everything's okay inside. But it will also mean renewed empowerment for ministry. I'll teach transgressors thy ways. How can a person who's living in sin have a consistent, genuine, godly burden for others when they know they're living in sin. Hey, a real burden for other people doesn't come from here. It comes from here. If, If I was a person who at one time in my life had a genuine concern for God's work and the salvation of souls and the work of missions, and then now, for some reason... I don't have that burden. What, what, what changed? Did the needs of the world change? Did I just grow up? Did I get over that? Did I get over that, that sort of juvenile burden I had for lost sinners and now I'm too mature from that? No, I'll tell you what happened. Something went wrong inside here. And you know what David said? If you'll renew my spirit, then I'm going to teach transgressors thy ways. And sinners will be restored. I want, to, I want to care about other people. I'm going to reach out to other people. You know why? Because his spirit's right. He got his spirit right. Look in verse 15. 
O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. You know what a renewed spirit will do? It will restore your joy and praise and worship to God. Ask yourself. Take a little inventory tonight. Ask yourself what your... If you could... If you could somehow grade your level of heartfelt worship for God today. If you could somehow grade your heart of worship for God. I'm not talking about just singing songs. I'm talking about a heart that just worships God, loves God, adores God, wants to praise God. How would you grade yourself today? Was there ever a time that you had more of a heart for worship for God? You know what David said? If I can get my heart right, my heart will be overflowing with praise for God and worship. That's what he's talking about. O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. You know what we get to thinking sometimes? You know, we come to worship service and we're not really into worshiping. We may sing, but we're not really into worshiping. We may not even sing. I look at people sometimes who never really worship God. They never open their mouth. They never really worship God. And I know you can say, well, they're worshiping in their mind. Well, that's not what the Bible talks about. It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That's not just thinking about it. But we get to think, well, the problem is the lighting. The problem is the temperature. The problem is the music selection. The problem is the piano is too loud or the piano is too loud. Or, but you know what? The, none of those things are the problem. What the problem is is in here. And I know we think, you, you know, you're trying to blame me for everything. It's all my fault. This, is what, this was David's approach. It's me. It's nobody else. My praise life, it's not somebody else's problem. It's my problem. The fact that I don't have a burden for lost people or care about sinners, that's not on anybody else but me. And it's all because my spirit has been wrong. And I've had this guilt in my heart. The same writer, David said in Psalm 122, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. That's the, that's the attitude of a renewed spirit. Renew a right spirit within me. And finally, look in verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. He says, this is what God wants. This is what pleases God. This is what moves God. This is, this is what God cannot ignore. You know what a new, renewed spirit gives you? It gives you the right, the right view about, about sin. God's not just looking for stuff for me to do. God, God, what God wants is my heart. He wants my brokenness. He wants my humility. He wants my, he wants my true heartfelt repentance. Now you contrast that with David's reaction when he first sinned against Bathsheba. When he knew he had to cover it up, and he ordered a hit on her husband. 
And when confronted by Nathan the prophet, he still couldn't admit he was wrong until Nathan just finally looked at him and pointed in his face and said, David, it's you. It's you. Now, now you contrast that attitude that David had with this attitude David had. You're talking about a difference in daylight and dark. His attitude about sin has changed drastically. Before he was prideful, he was selfish, he was deceitful, he was dishonest, but now he's broken and contrite. He has a different attitude about sin. God wants to change our hearts. God wants to change our hearts. And there is not a person in this room tonight, including this person, that doesn't need to know that and be reminded of that and and learn to live in that. Renewal, spiritual renewal, being renewed. I don't know if you've ever even experienced this, but maybe you have. I know some of you have, whether you noticed or not. But some of us have known people before they were saved and when they got saved. And there was something about their life that had so changed. And it wasn't about the way they dressed or combed their hair. It was just something about their, their countenance. They were, they were, it's like they were different. You know what I'm saying? And I've known a few people in my life who were saved who really made some bad decisions that really got it right. And it was the same way. It's like, there, it's like there's a light has gone on. There's a light about them. There's a change about them. You know what? That's what God can do. Change us from the inside. And you know what that renewal is? If I read this correctly and understand it correctly... This spiritual renewal came as a response to a broken and contrite heart of confession. And you know what? All of us need to be here sometimes. And you don't have to do what David did to find yourself needing spiritual renewal. And really, if we're going to live the life God wants us to live, praising the way we ought to, Loving Him the way we ought to. help Loving others the way we ought to. It's got to be kind of mandatory that we see our sin the way we ought to and continually come to God asking Him to renew us. The Christian life... The Christian life is the greatest life there is. When Jesus said this, He knew what He was saying and He was speaking the truth. I came that you might have life and have it more abundant. I'm going to give you the most meaningful life that could ever be lived on this planet. You know what? That's the way the Christian life is. But it can't be lived in our own energy or power. And it's not about making ourselves do stuff. Making ourselves Oh man, I got to go to church again. Oh man, I got to read my Bible again. 
That's not the way it's supposed to be lived. I'm not saying those things are wrong. But if I get to a place, if I come to a place that I have to force myself, make myself, I have a begrudging attitude about reading God's Word, there's something wrong in me. Right? There's something wrong. And I need to come to God and say, God, I want you to work in my heart, change my heart. If I don't love to praise God, if I don't have a place in my heart for hurting people or reaching the unsaved or or witnessing to other people, I'm not saying sometimes we don't have to tell ourselves to do the right thing. Sometimes we do have to tell ourselves. But I'll tell you, it's a wonderful thing when it's just almost spontaneous. You see a person, you wonder if they're saved, you reach into your pocket, you give them a track. It's not because you have to, it's because, it's because it's in your heart to do it. And that's God's plan for us. That's what God wants for us. And you may be thinking, well, how in the world do I get there? Well, first of all, we need to be honest about where we are. We need to be honest about where we are. And maybe there are things in our life that aren't right. There shouldn't be there. Attitudes and behaviors and decisions. And, and then come to God with an honest and broken heart. Not, if, you, if you were visiting a store and... You took something that didn't belong to you, and it might be something as minor as a piece of gum. Can you buy a piece of gum for a penny anymore? Not a gum chewer. But if you if you took something that was not yours, and it didn't cost more than a nickel, but you're a Christian, you won't get out the door without God making you feel guilty about it. It's not about the monetary value of what you took. It's about the fact that you stole something. And you know what? You're not going to be right with God until you make that right. Right? You're not going to be right with God. Now I just say that to say if there's something standing between us and God renewing our spirit, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be a little thing. But it's a big thing if it stands between you and God. We've got to make it right. And then beg God, God, I want you to change me on the inside. We don't know if David prayed that prayer one time and it was instantly fixed. We don't know that. He may have prayed that prayer for days or weeks. I don't know. You say, why would God have him do that? I don't know. That's not the issue. The issue is he begged God, change me on the inside. Because I know if you will, it'll, it'll affect everything about my life. And it will. If some of you here tonight, some of you young people, if you got thoroughly right with God, most of us would know it within a week or so. And you wouldn't even have to tell us. We'd just know it. Your attitude, your countenance is changed. Right? It's true. But you've got to want it.
You've got to want it. 